0: It is important for us to recognize that that who may ascend to the hill of the Lord, uh, he who has clean hands and a pure heart. And uh, maybe we could just take a, a moment of silent prayer, and um, just as we come before this um, this King of Glory, um, if we were in the presence of royalty, if if there if there was someone who was truly the, the king, we would, um, we would sometimes bow, we would, we would recognize their majesty, their greatness. And so let's just take a moment as we recognize what we've sung about this great God. Maybe there's a sin or an attitude that you need to bring before God and confess that to Him this morning. Something that Done or said that is against his law, that is against his will. Something that we haven't done that he would expect of us in obedience. him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God through him, through Christ. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all all unrighteousness. Lord, we we recognize the centrality of the, this good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, that apart from Him there is no forgiveness of sin, apart from His shed blood, and um, and so Lord, even if there is one in this place who has who has who just assumes that they that God will forgive them, but they have not come to that place of repenting and believing upon the person and work of Jesus Christ alone for their salvation. I pray, Lord, that that they would recognize this is the good news. <laughs> you, in your love for us, sent your one and only Son to, to die uh, a death that we deserved and um, and then rose again victorious over sin and death and that through Him we can have forgiveness of sins and this free gift of eternal life through simple faith alone in Christ alone. And so, Lord... Um, Thank you for entrusting this message to us. Uh, We receive your cleansing and forgiveness today. We truly desire to have clean hands and a pure heart as we ascend your holy hill as we meet with you today. We give you praise, King of glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. We continue our series in the Psalms, and if you have your Bible, I invite you to turn with me to Psalm forty-four. And um, maybe you are a person who have has experienced devastation, tragedy, at the end of yourself. Uh, you thought. What is the reason for this? What, what caused this? And, and you just come up blank. It's like, there seems to be no reason for this to occur in my life. You will be able to identify with this psalm. Um, and so before we look at it, um, maybe you saw some of these images this week. Horrifying images. Uh, this interview uh, with this man The Bahamas. Listen to this interview about devastation.
1: Today was the first day after many days of being here. I've frankly lost Count Wolf that we were able to get outside. The winds weren't blowing so hard, although they were still, bl- they were still blowing pretty hard, uh, that we could try to get around some of this island. Many of the roads are still underwater. Many of them are blocked by submerged cars. We got to one er- area, though, in East Freeport, where a crew of people, a collection of volunteers, have brought their jet skis, their small boats, and are trying to carry out rescues that the Bahamian government so far. Has not been able to do. We met one man. His name is Howard Armstrong. He has been pulled out of his house early this morning uh, with just the clothes on his back uh, he said he had lost everything including his wife
2: it came over the roof I would imagine 21 feet at least Uh, we were doing all right until the water kept coming up and all the appliances were going around the house like a washing machine that's probably I got hit with something in there and my poor little wife got hyperfermia and she was standing on top of the kitchen uh, cabinets until they disintegrated, and then I I, I, I kept with her, and, and she just drowned on me. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I, I know, I know. So, how, how did you get out? I got out. I had a big boat anchored in there. I'm a crab fisherman, and I have a, a 40-footer on a mooring, which stayed there. So I didn't even think it was there. So. I had got out of the house after my wife drowned and because you couldn't be in there anymore. And I I had no tools to chop a hole in the roof, in the ceiling. So I swam, I saw my boat was still there and I swam. I took a chance and swam out to it.
1: Armstrong said after he swam out, Wolf, he went over to the house of a neighbor, swam to the house of a neighbor who had been calling for help all night long. He said when he looked in the window, he saw her dead body as well. We left Armstrong today. He was waiting to see if his wife's body would be recovered today. Rescuers said, though, their first priority, though, is bringing back the living, rescuing the living. They're doing, they've rescued dozens so far today. There's believed mm-hmm. to be still hundreds of people out there waiting. Um,
0: I, I can't imagine. I just can't imagine what some of these people... Or going through like Howard Armstrong um, the the devastation is just so uh, widespread um, you you've seen the pictures um, I just can't uh, this is what I, I, I looked online at abaco, abaco island and and it's like a it 's like a tropical paradise um, and 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 now. Um, and and it's just there's there's nothing left and and so people like this might might say you know where 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 are you God <laughs> w- what am I going to do and 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 in this Psalm 44 we're going to see some of this these very thoughts as as we realize this humanitarian crisis uh, in in the Bahamas one one woman said this was. Just, just so far beyond anyone's imagination, the house was broken up around us, and we cracked the door open, and there was nothing left. Everything is gone. Everything, everything. Um, and then I, I uh, Hurricane Flor. You realize that that the eastern part, southeastern part of the United States uh, gets hit regularly, right? And so they they kind of rattle off uh, hurricane names like like their old enemies, right? Uh, Hazel, Bertha, Fran, Matthew. Florence uh and now Dorian. Florence was last year and and when that was going on there's a young boy in North Carolina that said daddy where is God during the hurricane and um and that that's a question uh that that could grip our hearts in any number of devastating situations and um let me take a moment. Lord, we, we just pray for this dear man, Howard Armstrong. We, we pray for so many other individuals whose lives have been just totally devastated uh, in the Bahamas. It would, be, it would be totally amiss of me to show these pictures without taking a moment and, and asking for your, your great mercy, Lord, your, your compassion to be poured out upon them. Just as we saw uh, groups like Samaritan's Purse and so many others come to our city uh, last year, uh, at the time of the tornado, we pray that you would send these agencies that are so that are that are set up and and have as their mission times exactly like this as as smerton 's purse has been dispatched um, barges are going there with supplies. Uh, planes, helicopters, Lord. I just pray that these people would know that there is hope, that there is a God in heaven, and that you would use believers, you'd use the churches in these areas to truly reach out and minister to people in their community, just as occurred in our community last year, Lord, in a much smaller scale way. And so please, Lord, uh, we just pray that you would receive glory and honor somehow through this time of, of extreme devastation, in, in not only in the Bahamas, but Along, um, along the shore of, of our country, Lord, in the in the southeast part of our country, Lord. And so we just commit these dear people to you, Lord, and, and ask that you would show your incredible mercy to them now. In Jesus' name, amen. So this uh, is to set the stage for what we are going to look at because we are, again, uh, looking at a horrendous... Uh, psalm of lament. We've been studying psalms of lament. We said that prayers of lament are the most common prayers in all the Old Testament. And, um, and, and so they're, they're instructive to us. And this is, not, this is another uh, example of that. Psalm 44. You see that little word, mascal, um maskil of the sons of Korah. Uh, maskil just means a psalm of instruction. Okay, so there's something uh, that this has to teach us. I keep wanting to ask myself as I ask you these questions, why in the world would this psalm be included in the Bible? Uh, because last week we looked at David's uh, psalm of lament because of his sin. This this psalm of lament, this song that was sung uh, communally, uh, this is a communal psalm, uh, uh, They're suffering, it it seems, for no reason at all. There's no explanation. Maybe you've been in a situation like that. Listen to Psalm 44. Follow along as I read. O God, we have heard with our ears. Our fathers have told us the work that you did in their days, in the days of old. You, with your own hand, drove out the nations. Then you planted them. You afflicted the peoples, then you spread them abroad. For by their own sword they did not possess the land, and their own arm did not save them, but your right hand and your arm and the light of your presence. For you favored them. The ESV says you delighted in them. Verse 4, you are my king, O God. Command victories for Jacob. Through you we will push back our adversaries. Through your name we will trample down those who rise up against us. For I will not trust in my bow, nor will, I, nor will my sword save me. But you have saved us from our adversaries, and you have put to shame those who hate us. In God we have boasted all day long, and we will give thanks to your name forever, Selah. Verse 9, yet you have rejected us, And brought us to dishonor. And do not go out with our armies. You cause us to turn back from our adversaries. And those who hate us have taken spoil for themselves. You give us as sheep to be eaten. And have scattered us among the nations. You sell your people cheaply. And have not profited by their sale. You make us a reproach to our neighbors. A scoffing, a derision to those around us. You make us a byword among the nations. A laughing stock among the peoples. All day long my dishonor is before me and my humiliation has overwhelmed me because of the voice of him who reproaches and reviles, because of the presence of the enemy and the avenger. Verse 17, All this has come upon us, but we have not forgotten you and we have not dealt falsely with your covenant. Our heart has not turned back. Our steps have not deviated from your way. Yet you've crushed us in a place of jackals and covered us with the shadow of death. If we had forgotten your name, O God, or extended our hands to a strange God, would not God find this out? For he knows the secrets of the heart. But for your sake, we are killed all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Verse 23, arouse yourself. Why do you sleep, O Lord? Awake, do not reject us forever. Why do you hide your face and forget our affliction and oppression? For our soul has sunk deep into the dust and our body cleaves to the earth. Rise up, be our help, and redeem us for the sake of your loving kindness. This is God's word to us today. We're going to look at three points from this passage: salvation in the past, desperation, you could say devastation in the present, and questions for the future. Kind of our theme verse has been this verse in Psalm 34:18, "The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit." We said that the Book of Psalms is a song. Was the songbook of Israel, and and so they would sing these psalms. Um, they, it was Hebrew poetry, so that it, it could just ex, you could experience all the various emotions. Um, it's it, it's meant to it's meant to make us feel something. As I even as I read this, there should be a feeling of ah, oh, and then and then this. Yes! It's like, rise up! Wake up! And, uh, and, and of all the various types of psalms, clearly the psalms of lament are the most common. And so here's the, here's the structure of a psalm of lament. There's an introductory appeal, they cry out to God, then there's this long section of lament in most of them, it's a complaint. In the midst of this is a confession of trust, or placing their confidence in God. And then there's petitions, and, and this is what we see at the end of this psalm. Uh, strong imperatives or commands. It's like, can I say that to him? Yes. They, they, they are here for us. And many times we don't know the specific background. There, I mean, you if you read the commentaries on this, you would see that they, even they are confused. It's like, what is the background? I think the reason that there is some ambiguity left in these psalms is that we can enter into them. It is for us to read them. It is for us to understand you know what? I have experienced tragedy and devastation, and I, there's times that I don't have a reason for why this is occurring to me. And so we can enter into these. And then often there is a shout of praise or a vow of praise. Uh, laments rise from the firm belief in the character of God and an understanding of the brokenness of sin and a heartfelt longing for the completion of God's redemptive plan. It's a Lament is a prayer and pain that leads to trust. Okay? So... That background. Uh, and now we look at uh, just verses 1 to 8 and the salvation in the past. This is a community lament, or, or some call it a national psalm of lament, sung by or led by the sons of Korah. And these were Levites, uh, chief musicians. Um, sometimes they're named by name there's there's one psalmist named Heman and um, but you can read in in chronicles about these uh, these descendants of Levi that that had a very significant role in the temple worship um, in the 40s the psalms in the 40s, 40, 42 43 now 44 45 6 7 8 9 these were all written uh, for or or by the sons of Korah and there's so, this one particular one is a, is a song of, of in, in instruction Walt Key says lament over the loss of a battle is one thing so was this a loss of a battle? Probably uh, lament for the captivity and exile of a nation not once but several times this idea of scattered us among the nations but Who can plumb the unfathomable terrors of the genocide of a whole people? Could this be what was being experienced? Uniquely, Psalm 44 has been used for all these catastrophes. As the Jewish scholar Herbert Levine has attested, few verses in the Psalms, have been as important as this one and we will get to it in verse 22 in the history of the Jewish response to catastrophe. For all of the verses in the Psalter quoted by its victims, none was more frequent and more prominent than this verse. It is for your sake, we, that we are slain all day long and we are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Affliction and lament may often fit together, but occasions like that expressed in Psalm 44, are too devastating to be fully understood. So, uh, I'm not a Hebrew scholar, but what this man is saying is that this psalm is plumbing the depths of devastation. Um, The whole nation is lamenting some catastrophe. And that's why, I didn't plan it this way, but that's why what has happened in the Bahamas is somewhat picturesque of what maybe is felt by the people of Israel for whatever various reasons. Okay? For, so suffering in Psalm 44 is not because of their sin but in view of their loyalty, their faithfulness. We've not forgotten you. And yet they're still suffering. Kidner says that the innocent sufferer goes through many heart searchings in the Psalms. This psalm is perhaps the clearest example of a search for some other cause. Maybe you've been there. What is the cause of this? Why am I experiencing this illness? Why am I going through this situation? Of national disaster um, than guilt and punishment. It implies the revolutionary thought that suffering may be a battle scar rather than punishment. The price of loyalty in, in a world which is at war with God. Turn to the person next to you and ask him. Do you have some battle scars? Maybe you can identify with this fact that this, sometimes suffering is just the result of friendly fire, and well, enemy fire, in a world that is at odds in rebelling against God. A battle scar. So here's the structure. One to eight is their trust in God's saving work, both in the past verses 1 to 3, and in the present. Our bow can't save us. We know that. We've always known that. The sword can't save us. Lord, you save us. And so there's a trust in God's saving work. There is a, a long lament over God's rejection of them. The, this repeated phrase, among the nations. You've scattered us among the nations. You've made us a, a, just a laughing stock among all the peoples around us. And then a couple times it's mentioned that they are like sheep to be eaten or slaughtered. And then finally it ends with a petition for God to wake up. So here's this confession of trust. The psalmist recognizes God's faithfulness to deliver in the past and is confident in him as his king to yet save. I think the verse 4 is is very significant uh, where he says, uh, You are my king, O God. Command victories for Jacob. Look at this, you with your own hand, you planted them. He says in, in verse three, um, by your right hand and your arm and the light of your presence for you favored them. And, um, and so you, 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 and so they are just reflecting. Maybe, maybe that would be good for us sometimes in the midst of our lament is to reflect back on on the ways, you've done this in my life. You've done this for us. And and so we reflect on his faithfulness. This is their confession of trust. And then maybe this vow of praise is in verse 8 where the people boasted. In God we have boasted all day long, another repeated phrase, all day long, and we will give thanks to your name forever. And then you see that little word selah and and in their songs in their poems they would they would put this little word and you've heard this probably before that this means a pause kind of a musical interlude and and so it is it is there for a reason so they they reflect on God's faithfulness and and his ability to save them alone they boast in him all the day long give their thanks to him and then then there's this pause before they kind of vent um in God we have boasted all day long, and we will give thanks to your name forever, Selah. And then this devastation, this, this idea of, of desperate crying out to God in, in complaint, in lament. Everything changes in the song in verse 9, and it's introduced with, in I like the ESV that says, but you... But you have rejected us and brought us to dishonor. And you don't go out with our armies. And you cause us to turn back from the adversary. You give us as sheep to be eaten. You have rejected us, cause us, give us. You sell your people. You make us a reproach. You make us a byword. It's like disaster, defeat, disgrace. We've been betrayed by you. This is the sense that we should get in these verses, and and Kidner says that the Psalm, um, I'm sorry, verses seventeen to twenty-two continue then with a protest, because this is where they are like asserting their own innocence. We have not forgotten you, so we're trying to figure out why you have why you've yet crushed us. This is the sense. This is the the, the feeling that we should have. In this psalm of national lament, which seems to culminate in verse 22. Remember that I, at the end of a service a few weeks ago, uh, we had read from Romans 8. And um, I think Scott had read from it during our time of worship. And I just said, I want you to find out why Psalm 44, verse 22 is quoted in Romans chapter 8. Well, now we're we're there. And um, you look at verse 22 in your text. But for your sake, we are killed all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. All right, so there's our verse. Uh, For your sake... I'm going to keep that up there and I'm going to go to Romans chapter 8 and I'm going to read verses 18 to 25 as we lead up to uh, the section where we see the quotation. Listen, uh, maybe just close your eyes and listen or you can turn there if you'd like but, but just listen. Let God's word speak to you. This is Romans 8. Some commentators, some Bible scholars believe that Romans 8 is... Probably the most significant chapter in all the Bible. You can judge for yourselves. But chapter 8, verse 18. For I consider, Paul says, that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself also will be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. And not only this, but also we ourselves, having the first fruits, of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. For in hope we have been saved. But hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he already sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, with perseverance we wait eagerly for it. Some repeated phrases, glory, um, not to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Another phrase is anxiously longing, waiting, another word, hope, waiting eagerly for our adoption of sons, the redemption of our body. For in hope we have been saved, okay? And and then, then we have this classic passage that contains the famous verse, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. For whom He foreknew, He predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. These whom he predestined, he called, these he called, he also glorified. These he justified, these he these he also justified. He also glorified. Then what shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Who will bring a charge against God's elect? Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword. Just as it is written, Psalm 44, For your sake we are being put to death all day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered. There's our verse. There's our verse. We'll come back to it. The psalm does not develop it, but it implies the revolutionary thought that suffering may be a battle scar rather than punishment, the price of loyalty in a world that is at war with God. So the question before us is, how do you interpret Psalm 44 in light of Romans 8? And, 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 and Paul is giving us a lot of insight into Psalm 44 in quoting the very verse that could be the culminating verse in this psalm. For your sake we are killed all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. And then the psalm ends with these kind of questions. Arouse yourself. Why do you sleep, O Lord? Awake. Do not not reject us forever. Why do you hide your face and forget our affliction and oppression? It ends with an extremely bold series of petitions that plead with God to wake up and come to their help. Philip says nowhere else in the Bible do we find such a bold statement to dare to tell God, the living God, the eternal God, the uncreated, self-existing God, the God of the covenant, to dare to tell him to wake up. This is the language of holy boldness, the language of a man who is absolutely sure that god must act and do something impossible do the impossible or bring his name into disrepute so it's like he's calling on god's character he he's saying you've got to wake up and he and he kind of gives him this motif in verse 25 for our soul has sunk down into the dust and our body cleaves to the earth rise up be our help and redeem us for the sake of your steadfast love here's his petitions awake rouse yourself Our soul is bowed down, our belly clings to the ground. Rise up, come to our aid, redeem us for the sake of your steadfast love. All right. Um, we We learn at the end of this psalm that our only appeal and our sole reason for God to redeem his people is for the sake of his steadfast love and unfailing mercy. Love, mercy, grace, patience are all wrapped up in this word, hesed. And and we see it again. It's interesting it, how often it comes up in lament psalms. This is the attribute of God that they hang on. It is his covenant-keeping love. It's like he cannot not keep this kind of love with his people. So it's no wonder that we get to Romans 8, and it's like, who can separate us from the love? Of course nothing can. It's the covenant-keeping love of God. Redeem us for the sake of your Steadfast love, O God. God's people will endure unexplained suffering and tragedy. But we must know, we must trust that King Jesus will redeem everything for His glory and for our good. But God's people will experience Unexplained suffering, trial, tragedy, devastation, and some some wonder if if psalm forty four is literally a prophecy of persecution in the church that we experience, that we see come out in Romans eight so as we apply this to our lives um, I ask first of all have you been redeemed for the sake of God's steadfast love and mercy I think it's an interesting way to put it you know that to be redeemed is not really for us I mean the, the forgiveness of sins and the eternal life that we get <laughs> that is like that's like secondary we anyone who is saved is saved for the glory of God's incredible grace and mercy and love, it is to put His love, His steadfast love, on display, and 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 He gets all of the glory. Sometimes we suffer for our own sin. Um, this maybe you saw this an internet sensation. Uh, sitting at Myrtle Beach, uh, apparently uh, a man loaned his keys to his cousin who was going to ride his motorcycle in the storm. And the guy said, no, take my Jeep. And so cousin takes his Jeep and goes down to the beach and thinks it would be really cool to get a picture of the sunrise as the storm was coming in. And so he goes down to the beach. And all of a sudden, he didn't plant. He was he was looking out of his window at the sunrise and didn't realize there was kind of a you know it had been washed out and and there was a big drop or something. And so his his jeep uh, falls into that. And and so everybody there was even a guy in all black playing uh, Amazing Grace on the bagpipes walking around this. Everybody's been making fun of this, taking pictures of this jeep sitting on the beach. There's times that we suffer devastation for our own uh, foolishness and our own sin, our own rebellion. And, and that's not what we're dealing with in this psalm. Um, but maybe you've not come to that place of recognizing that your sin is an offense to a holy God. And how is it that we approach His holy hill? We read earlier, with clean hands and a pure heart. How do we get clean hands and a pure heart? Only through the blood of Jesus Christ. And so um, we must understand that... Um, we can bring suffering on ourselves and sometimes it is because of our sin as we looked at last week with David but i love how this psalmist says you are my king o god in verse 4 and in verse 26 rise up and come to our help redeem us for the sake of your steadfast love so have you have you reached out to god in the midst of whatever you're experiencing and realize that sword isn't going to save you, uh, the bow isn't going to save you. These are, these are uh, things in the Old Testament that, that, that if they were going to battle, they, they could trust these things. Or they could trust God. And our trust must be in Him alone. He alone can save us. And you must come to that place of recognizing that. Secondly, how do, you, how do we respond to unexplained suffering and tragedy? That's really the question of this, of this psalm. And, um, and this verse, For your sake we are killed all day long, and we are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Romans 8 says, Just as it is written, For your sake we are being put to death all day long, we are considered as sheep to be slaughtered, but in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through Him Who loved us. So Psalm 44 is kind of, you you are kind of left with a feeling of defeat, but there is this sense that rise up, be our help, and redeem us for the sake of your loving kindness. Where's the gospel in Psalm 44? It is pointing to this fact that Jesus Christ, through his death and his resurrection, conquered sin and death. And, and, And we are literally super conquerors through him who loved us. So he quotes Psalm 44. And then he comes back and he says, Tragedy is not defeat. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And, um, and there is the hope of the gospel. And, uh, and so I, I don't know what devastation, what tragedy you've experienced and you've tried to figure out why it's occurring. There will be times you get to the end of your reasons and you have no more reasons and it could simply be a battle scar, um, living in a world at war with God. And, and Romans 8 is reminding us that all creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together. We all groan, waiting anxiously, waiting eagerly for the redemption of our bodies. This day in which um, all of our trials, all of our troubles will one day vanish away. And, and God will get the glory and, and we will realize it was all for our good and, um, and our growth. So um, he's conforming us to the image of his son. And he does this many times. Wouldn't you say that you have learned more? You have learned more about the character of God in the dark times than you ever have in the good times. Let's just be honest. That is where the character of God, his steadfast love, his grace, his mercy, just comes to full living color in our lives. And, and you must cling to his steadfast love in those times. Um, Waltke says, this mascot was written to give martyrs the theology they need to survive suffering for righteousness' sake. As a pilot loses visual contact in a cloud, Turns to his instrument panel to fly his airplane safely. So, the inspired psalmist, when having lost rational contact in the fog of undeserved sufferings, finds his bearings by locating himself within the meta narrative of salvation history and what God has done in the past, and by reflecting on God's attributes. The reason. Why martyrs suffer may be unknown, but the reasons for sustaining their faith can be learned from each stanza of this psalm. That's good. That's good. So finally, is there someone you know who is suffering? Devastation, tragedy, and, and, and they don't even have answers for it. And, and maybe Psalm 44 could instruct them and help sustain their faith. Consider the sufferings of this present time not worthy to be compared to the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the anxious longing of creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. Psalm 44 is directly quoted in Romans 8. And anytime you see that as a Bible student, you need to be asking yourselves the question, what does that mean? And um, why do you think that Psalm 44 would be included in the Bible? These might be passages that we would normally just ignore or pass over because it's like, that's too depressing for me. And yet, isn't it something that the laments are the most common psalm in the Psalter? This is what they sang. What would you say to this individual? What do you think the Billy Graham rapid response team is counseling, is loving and sharing with this individual. Maybe you know of someone that feels much like this person. Our world is broken. We are groaning. Jesus Christ has conquered. And we are more than conquerors. God's people will experience unexplained suffering and tragedy. It will occur. Even martyrdom. But we must know and we must trust that King Jesus will redeem all these things for His glory and for our good. All right. Worship team, if you'd come and... um, this, this man, William, it's, uh, his name is actually pronounced Cooper. Cooper. Um, William Cooper was um, an English poet and hymn writer. One of the most popular poets of his time. Cooper changed the direction of 18th century nature poetry by writing of everyday life and scenes of the English countryside. Um, Samuel Taylor Coleridge called him him the best modern poet. Um, After being institutionalized for insanity, Cooper found refuge in the evangelical community of believers. He continued to suffer doubt and, and after a dream in, 19, in 1773, he believed that he was doomed to eternal damnation. And he recovered and wrote many religious hymns. He was, he was. His pastor was named John Newton, the the writer of Amazing Grace. And John Newton poured into Mister Cooper, uh, like a, a good pastor should. Uh, even when Newton was called away to another parish, uh, another pastorate, uh, he continued to communicate with Mr. Cooper. And um, and he uh, has, has written a number of, of hymns, um, but one that isn't maybe as popular as some, A uh, Closer Walk with God, uh, There's a Fountain Filled with Blood. He wrote this one called God Moves in a Mysterious Way written in 1774. Listen to these words. God moves in a mysterious way his wonders to perform. He plants his footsteps in the sea and rides upon the storm. Deep in unfathomable minds of never-failing skill, he treasures up his bright designs and works his sovereign will. Ye fearful saints, fresh courage take. The clouds ye so much dread are big with mercy and shall break in blessings on your head. Judge not the Lord by feeble sense, but trust Him for His grace. Behind a frowning providence He hides a smiling face. His purposes will ripen fast, unfolding every hour. The bud may have a bitter taste, but sweet will be the flower. Blind unbelief is sure to err and scan his work in vain. God is his own interpreter, and he will make it plain." For your sake, Lord, we are being delivered over all day long like sheep led to the slaughter. Do you feel like that sometimes? Do you know individuals who are feeling like that? William Cooper experienced great depression. Tried to commit suicide many, many times. Never got it done. The body of Christ, good pastors, good brothers and sisters in Christ came around this man, and he continued to be used by God in so many ways. And his poems continue to touch people, his hymns. And um, John Piper says that this hymn he received as an embroidery, and he had it in his living room wall for so many years to just stare at and realize that God moves in mysterious ways. And um, and so, Lord, I, I just pray that a psalm like this could, could help strengthen us in the times of tragedy and devastation, Lord. I just pray, God, that 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 as your people, we would recognize that we are more than conquerors through Christ. What can man do to us? If God is for us, who can be against us? Who could even bring a charge against God's elect? What could separate us from his love? Absolutely nothing. Your steadfast love, your covenant love, Lord, through Jesus Christ as our King, will hold us in times of trial and then will one day reveal to us in glorious ways, all of your plan. And so, Lord, we anxiously wait for that day of his return. Thank you, Lord. Continue to instruct us in these ways. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together.